Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, today's message. We're going to be talking about Him this morning. The, uh, the title of my sermon is Walking with the Father. And we're going to be learning a little bit about what it means to walk with Jesus. Well, really walk with the Father. Because last week I talked about discipleship, the cost of discipleship, and what G the price that Jesus paid for it, number one. But then also our part in it. You know, salvation is free, but, uh, but discipleship costs. It costs you everything. That's what we learned last week. And as this video depicted, it cost us ourselves. So we no longer look in within ourselves to be fulfilled, but we look to Christ to be fulfilled, to be filled up with his presence where there's no longer I left, and it's just him. So this morning, I felt like, you know, what we should do is pick up. I actually had a completely different sermon uh, prepared for today. But after finishing last week and going into the first part of the week, I sat down and started, you know, looking at my sermon, and I just was like, you know what? This isn't it. This is, this is good, but it's not it. So I, I put that one in the drawer, and I said, okay, God, speak. And he, he spoke to me. He said, you told them what it was going to cost them, but now you have to show them what it looks like. Because we didn't have time to really know what it looks like and the purpose of it, the why behind what we have to do. So that's what we're going we're gonna to jump in this morning. We're going we're gonna to look at what does it look like? What does it look like to be a disciple of Christ? So I might review just a little bit of last week, but we're going to jump into something that I really feel like God um, has for us this morning. So let's pray over the word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. And I just pray right now, Father, that you just illuminate our minds. Let the Spirit just open us up, our hearts and our minds, to perceive what you are speaking this morning. It says that you are constantly speaking, but we fail to perceive it. Lord, that's not going to be the case this morning because our eyes are open, our ears are attuned to your spirit, God. Speak in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So the title was Walking with the Father, Discipleship, What It Looks Like. I always have to ask that question because I have to know what it looks like. Don't, I'm a very visual person, a visual learner. So I have to see it in action. If I can see it, then I can replicate it. I can do it. I can improve on it. How many people are visual? You gotta, man, you gotta, and you said you're a concrete, right? So you got to see it, and you got to write it. You, I mean, you got to have it in concrete terms. I'm very spatial and very visual. If I see something, then I can, I can do it. So this morning, we're going to look at that. So last week, we're going to back up just to start out with. Last week, I used a verse called in Matthew 11.30 that said, uh, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that was kind of part of the paradox because the other verse was that in order to, to, to be a disciple of Christ that you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. And that following part is the, is the discipleship part. So I want you to keep that in mind as we progress through the word this morning that salvation repentance we turn we we begin to follow christ we pick up our cross but it's this road right here that's the difficult one for everybody 
And we talked about that last week, but now we're really going to dive into it and see, you know, uh, what God is looking for in that. So my burden, or excuse me, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. God desires, Jesus desires, to free us from the burden of sin. He desires to to free us from the law, is what we learned of last week. So this pursuit of Christ, as we follow him, he begins to unpack. So this is the term that God really gave me. He begins to unpack our stuff. So I, I look at this in the context of marriage sometimes. You know, you got two people and say they're not saved, and they haven't been walking with God their whole lives, or maybe they have, who knows. And these, all, these, all this stuff happens, and they have all these burdens upon them. They come to Christ, they turn, they begin to follow him, but man, they're trudging along because they still have the, the burdens. And the full revelation of what Jesus Christ has done for us really hadn't quite happened yet. So they're walking through life, and they got all this stuff from previous broken relationships, from damage from their childhood, from, you know, whatever the case might be, whatever trauma or loss they they might have incurred over their lifetime, they come into a relationship with another person that is also what? Broken. Got all the burdens. So then they come together and they get married. But they hadn't unpacked all that stuff yet. So they begin to walk with Christ together now, carrying a bunch of junk. And if they go long enough and they don't, haven't unpacked all that stuff, then what happens? Then they turn on each other, right? <laughs> and it's a broken relationship. So in counseling, what I, what I do is I talk to um, couples all the time, and I do a lot of premarital counseling. And I say, I say look, before I marry you, we're going to have to do six weeks, six to eight weeks of counseling. Why? And I mean, I get in their. I mean, I get in their stuff. If anybody has had me as a premarital counselor, I mean, I get in your stuff. I ask the hard questions. I make them uneasy. I make them squirm. I make them feel really uh, nervous about coming back next week. Like, well, if you want this bad enough and you want to get married right here, then you're going to have to go through this. And we begin to unpack. We unpack. We unpack. We unpack. And so my goal is to unpack all that stuff. So you have two healthy individuals coming together to follow and pursue Christ together with all their junk unpacked. That's what Christ does for us. So we're, we're walking this journey, this discipleship journey, and we, we give ourselves to Christ. Full submission is what we talked about last week. Full submission, and then we're trudging along, and, and, and Jesus starts doing this. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. He starts unpacking. He starts unpacking. He starts unpacking. He brings people into our lives that challenges us. You know who that person was for me? Pastor Dave. When I got back from Iraq uh, in 91, I think it was. Yeah, it was in 91, in the Gulf War. I had all that junk from my past. Broken relationships, you know, anger, resentment, pride, all that, you know, all that stuff that I accumulated over the years. And then I went, and then to make matters worse, I went to a combat zone. I went and fought and, and wreaked havoc on another human being, a human being. I was a forward observer, so I called in airstrikes and artillery strikes. So I was the guy lazing the target and calling in the bombs. So 
and guiding the bombs into target. So I had all that junk put on top of all my other stuff. And by the time I got back, I thought I was ready to get married. <laughs> I was clueless. I was clueless how much I needed healing. So after struggling with this for a short bit, but God spoke to me, and, he, and I, I did know God. I had, re, I had relinquished my life to him over in Iraq. And he brought me to that place of surrender. And I walked into Pastor Dave's office, and I said, he was the, uh, maybe the youth pastor at the time, a man of church in Fayetteville. I walked into Pastor Dave's office, and I said, hey, I got all this stuff, and it's killing me. I need you to help me. And he said, come on in. Have a seat. And so, it's really funny. You know what the first doggone question that he asked me? He preached about it a couple weeks ago. You know what the first question he asked me? He said, what's your relationship like with your father? I was like, oh. <laughs> he didn't know that I had a broken relationship with my father. He didn't know that I really kind of, you know, had troubles with him. He didn't know anything about my relationship with my father. You know, I saw my dad. He was there uh, growing up. I saw him a couple times a year. Um, I'd go stay with him, you know, for a week in the summer or whatever when I was a little kid. But when I was 12, we moved away, and I didn't see him from 12 to 18. So there was no real relationship there. I didn't have a, a blueprint on how to relate to the father because I didn't know how to relate to my earthly father. And our children learn how to, and we, as children, learn how to relate to him through the parent that we have. Now, I understand. I understand that there's, you know, situations of divorce, and I understand single parenthood, and I understand all that stuff. But there's nothing that can replace the relationship with the father. And my nephew's sitting right there, Brandon. And Brandon and I spend a lot of time together. So, after my sister and her husband split, I mean, he was my, I mean, I, I love that little guy, man. I took him everywhere with me. I picked him up from school, took him to Taekwondo, and, you know, we, we studied Taekwondo together. I started teaching him when he was three years old, right? How old are you, Brandon? 34. He's 34 years old, right? Six-degree black belt, a master in martial arts. But that relationship that developed, I mean, over the years, just pouring in, that can be a substitute for if you have a broken relationship is what I'm saying. Just because you have a broken relationship doesn't mean that there's not somebody out there that can pour into your life just like a father can. And not necessarily to replace your father, but to substitute when there might be a broken relationship. We, it's, it's all about him, isn't it? And it's all about relating to him. And that's what we're going to find out today. We're going to look in the scripture, uh, and it's really interesting. God gave me this scripture. I was like, well, Lord, I already preached that scripture last week. Why, why do you want me to start there? Why do you want me to start, you know, uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light? Because it's really neat. I started going backwards in my study. I started going up 
from that verse going up, and God revealed uh, my sermon to me and all my points, but he revealed it in reverse order of the Scripture. So I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting. So that's what, so follow along. I, I'm doing it on purpose. I'm not, I'm not going backwards for no reason, okay? God showed me something that's really unique in Scripture. So if you turn to uh, Matthew 11, 20, uh, 28. So in 30, he says, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light, revealing God's desire to free us from the burden of the law. But in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he's saying, let's make this exchange and follow me. We talked about that. So if you back up one more, and it says uh, in Matthew eleven twenty seven. So I have a note here that says, discipleship begins with the revelation of the Father by the Son. So we're going to read right there in uh, Matthew eleven twenty seven. It says, all things have been handed over to me by the, my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Excuse me, yeah. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son wills, catch that, anyone the Son uh, wills to reveal him. Reveal who? The Father. So check, check that out. So Jesus reveals the Father. No one comes to the Father except by Jesus' will to reveal the Father. Now, we could get into a whole big discussion about predestination right now. We're not going to go there, though. No one, not your will, not your ability, not your anything, your intellect, not anything can introduce you to the Father. Only the will of Jesus Christ can introduce you to the Father. And that's what he came to do. That's what we don't get. We, we get saved, we repent, we turn, we pick up our cross, and we're like, Jesus, oh, I just love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I'm not saying that's bad. Of course, we love Jesus. But Jesus is saying, hey, let me introduce, let me unpack this, let me unpack that, let me take this, let me take that, so that you're burden-free, so that you can turn and look to the The point of Christ's coming was to reconcile us back to the Father and to reestablish God's authority and kingdom on the earth. And that's what he did on the cross. But at all points, but who did he do it for? Why did he do it? Whose glory did he reestablish? Whose authority did he reestablish? The Father. See, we miss that. We're, we're content with the relationship with Jesus, but we never get to the place that I'm getting ahead of myself. We never get to, I might have to preach it again. But we never get to that place of that aha moment to say, oh. Father. And we stop. And the burdens are gone. And the struggle's gone. And we, we experience this level of peace and freedom that, that can't be matched. Devotion, the human soul does, is, does, never does better, is never 
healthy until you have that moment. When you have that moment of total devotion to the Father, it's just, it's just I mean, I can't even hardly explain it. Because you reach that moment and you're just like, all this stuff just doesn't matter anymore. And I begin to operate and I begin to walk and I begin to experience everything that the Father has put in me and the Father has called out of me. Begin to experience all that because there's nothing that replaces the relationship with your Father. And in a healthy relation, in a healthy situation on, on planet Earth, you have a good father, and he teaches you about the Lord, and he encourages you, and he loves you, and he, he brings you to that place. But we know that we're all sinners, and we all fall short, don't we? We all fall short. So when we do have a broken relationship with, with our earthly fathers, that's, it's not the end. We just have to look to the one who can repair the earthly and give us the blueprint for the spiritual. So Jesus reveals the Father. But you know, in Jesus, like I said, was all about relationships. So if you take a look at, at Matthew 11, so we're going backwards, right? So you take a look at Matthew eleven twenty five and 26. For Jesus, everything is about relationship with the Father. And at that point, this is really cool. And at that point, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent. And you have revealed them to infants. Notice the language. Notice exactly what uh, Jesus says. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Does that sound familiar? Lord's Prayer. What does he do? He puts the Father in his rightful place. He, number one, uses language that denotes a, uh, a relationship that the Jews didn't understand. He was bringing something new. Think first century for a second. He was bringing something new. They didn't understand the depth of relationship that Jesus is talking about here. They understood God as a, as a high and lofty, um, the first name you know god reveals himself through his name in the bible and progress we believe in progressive revelation where god reveals himself progressively throughout throughout scripture the first name of god in genesis in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth is elohim it's a jewish word for god so they knew god as the all-powerful one the one that is high and lifted up majestic the creator God. They, they did know him as that. And people over the, the millennium did have a relationship with the father. Some of them got it, like David. David got it. He called out to the father. He, I mean, he was strumming his, his lyre, and he was singing songs. David got it. Moses got it. Abraham got it. There was, there was fathers of the faith that got it. But the average, everyday Jew that went to the temple, did all the stuff, you know, lived by the law, worked salvation, the covenant of works, all that stuff, they really didn't know what, they didn't get it. They didn't know what Jesus was talking about here. So he puts God in his rightful place. He puts the Father in his rightful place. As Father, number one, but also Lord, 
of heaven and earth. And then he goes on. Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. What, what way? Back up. Go back. It's interesting. That you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent. What has he hidden? The revelation. The revelation of the Father. The revelation of the relationship of the Son to the Father. Check this out. He rejected the wise. Who was the wise? The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the the teachers of the law and the intelligent, the intellectual, the wise, the the people that have set themselves up and, and they know all this cool stuff. They know the law. Matter of fact, they added to it quite a bit. And it was never the Father's will. It was never his heart for that to happen. But they did it. And they oppressed the people. And that's part of the burden that Jesus was talking about lifting. So in thinking about this, it says that he rejected uh, the intelligence, the wise. You've hidden these things. They don't understand it. Why? Well, you know, I started pondering all that. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm fairly smart. I mean, I'm all right. But there's a whole lot smarter out there. So I'm like, hmm, who's smarter than me? Who's way smarter than me? Like, who do I know that's smarter? Well, Karen Jones is smarter than me. Y'all know Karen? You know a little bit about her? So I said, you know what? We're going to do something different this morning. We're going we're gonna to ask somebody that's smart. I mean, this lady's how many people saw her uh, defense or the series that she does of revealing the father through um, biology? She was a biology professor, a physiology professor. So, I mean, this is like top of the academic food chain stuff. So I had this question in my mind when it said that he hid the mysteries from the wise and intelligent. I thought to myself, does wisdom and intelligence hinder our ability to relate to the father? And, and grow in our faith. So I, I, I was like, Karen, can I interview you? Let's watch this video. So this is me and Karen.
of making something. Of making something to really feel like I was contributing to this world, but also something very useful and something very energetic.
There you go, for all you straight-up geeks. A very Look, that was one take. I didn't give her the questions ahead of time. We sat down and just started filming. That's a smart lady. See how articulate she was? She answered all them questions just like, bam. But her intelligence isn't based on her own intellectual ascent. See, at 20, did you get that? She was in graduate school at 21. So that means she graduated high school early or she graduated four-year college early. But she was in her master's by the, or both, yeah. She was in her master's degree by 21. Isn't that awesome? And God revealed himself in an experiment. She said, well, I'm a science geek, so I'm going to have to relate to you through science if I'm going to relate to you. So, you know, and scientists do that. They'll take a, a I mean, I don't even, you know, theological perspective the, or a, uh, gosh, my science terminology is slipping me for a second. But they'll, they'll uh, a thesis. They start with a thesis, right? So they accept something as true. Say, so my whole experiment is based on the fact that this is true. So that's how she approached God. She said, okay, fine. I'm going to accept the fact that John 3.16 is true. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. If I believe in him, I'll be saved. Okay. I believe that, God. Wait. And the Holy Spirit speaks. She didn't know what Ephesians was. She didn't know where it was. But God spoke to her. The Holy Spirit spoke to her and gave her a verse. Said, you're saved. So she went and found it. And it ended up being exactly what God had spoke to her. She's like, well, God is real. She had to approach it from a scientific level. But these self-righteous men, the Pharisees that had set themselves up against the knowledge of God, God rejects. So if your intelligence becomes your God, it becomes a source of pride, like, like Karen said, then God rejects you. But then this, this next part in the scripture that he says that uh, you've hidden these things from the wise intelligence, but you have revealed them to infants. Did God just call us babies? How many, how many infants do we have in here? What? What infants? See, infants don't depend on their, their wisdom and their intelligence. What do they depend upon? What do they depend upon? Their father, their mother. They are completely dependent upon them. They don't 
they're not setting themselves up and going, hmm, I wonder if I need my parents today. No, I don't think so. They co- they're completely dependent upon their caregiver. And you know what's really cool? I mean, I've had five kids. So it's really cool because I, I, I'm not a good singer. <laughs> I mean, I can sing. I can carry a tune. And if somebody else is singing, I can, I can listen and I can, I can get the tune, right? And I can sing a little bit. But man, I used to love singing to the babies when they're in the mother's womb, in Kim's womb. And I would sing to them and I would pray over them and I would love on them. And all my children knew my voice. And it was amazing because I, they used to call me the baby whisperer, whisperer because I could pick up a baby and I could hold him, I could walk him. I mean, I spent a lot of time with Devin, walking Devin, because he was kind of colicky and he cried a lot. And Kim was finally like, look, you take him. Later on, we didn't realize at that time what it was, but he had like allergies and congestion problems and stuff. Babies are completely dependent upon their parents. They are keenly aware of their parents' voice and the inflection in their voice. Aiden! (laughs) He stops. I read this article last week in preparation for some of this, and it said, and I felt really horrible after I read it. I was like, man, I'm a terrible parent. (laughs) This is a, a parenting article. Don't read parenting articles, man. They make you feel bad. They said, you should never yell at your parents. Or you should never, no, that's true. You ne- children, you should never yell at your parents. But parents, you should never yell at your children unless, you're, unless they're in danger. That's what, that's what they said, that it said. I said, man, I blew that one. So they should learn that the only time that you're angry or you're like, stop, is when, you're, when they're in danger. But the rest of the time, you should have a loving, caring voice. Maybe stern, maybe firm, but never yelling. I ain't got no more children to try this out on. But they're keenly aware of our voices. They, they listen. And when a baby, I mean, you know it, right? When a baby hears your voice or the rhythmic tone of the mother's heart, and that baby's laying up against your chest. And they get, oh, you can just feel it in their body, right? They go. And then they snuggle in, right? They don't do that with everybody. It's because they have that. They know. They're, they're keenly aware of their parents, their father and their mother. If we do that right, I'm just encouraging you parents, if we do that right, when it comes time, they're going to embrace the Father's love because they know your love. And then the last point there is infants desire their parents. They'll be screaming bloody murder for the nursery worker in there. And then a little buzzer goes off, come get your kid. (laughs) They want their parents. They want them now. Desire, that, that desire. So what is, what, I mean, Jesus came to this earth. What did he desire? 
we're going to have to roll because we're behind schedule. John 5, 19 and 20 says, Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless, he sees, unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father, what? Loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. That, and the Father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. That's, Jesus does nothing. Do you hear what he's saying? He does nothing unless he sees the Father do it. So we start this discipleship path. We start trudging along. Jesus starts unpacking. We start moving. And constantly he's going, Father, Father, Father. Look at the Father. Look at the Father. Look at the Father's doing. Look at the... So you get saved, you want to know what to do, because you don't really know what to do, and you really haven't tuned your ear to the Father. You really don't know his voice quite yet. I mean, intimately, like an infant does. But, but your heart is willing because you received the gospel, and God revealed it to you. So you begin to move, and you're, you're listening, Father, Father, Father. So what we have to do when we first get saved is do what? What we see the Father doing. Jesus does nothing unless he sees the Father doing it. This is, this is what God showed me. A question. Are you trying to walk through life with God's help instead of just walking with him? Think about that for a second. Because we're walking this path of discipleship. We've accepted Christ Got Jesus is unpacking, but are we, are we just walking, upon, you know, it's kind of like we live our lives and all this stuff going on around us, and occasionally we look and go, hey, could you help me out here? And then we, oh, thanks, thank you very much, you healed me from cancer, awesome. And then we start walking, and we just kind of ignore, and we're walking, we're walking, and then something else happens, and then we go, hey, uh, God, could you, could you help me out here? Hey, Father, could you help me out here? Hey, Jesus, could you help me out here? Are you walking with Jesus and God's help, or are you just walking? That's a, that's a big question. There's a lot more to it than you might think on the surface. I want you to think about that one. In this scripture right here, it says, for the Father loves the Son. The Father wants to love you before he shows you what to do. Think about that for a second. You have to understand his love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. You got to understand his love before he's going to reveal to you what he wants you to do. But once you know his love, then he can start showing you what he wants you to do. So he says, just hold on a second. Love me. 
and I'm going to love you. So we have to understand that first. And then, if you look at the scripture, it says that he's going to show him things. But it also says that Jesus can do nothing except what he sees the Father doing. So it's really, we, we experience his love, and we start walking, start unpacking, we experience his love. Then we look to him, and we're like, okay, I'm ready now. I'm not quite as broken as I was back there. Now i got to see what the Father's doing. And so I start doing. I start replicating. I said I was visual. Show me, God, what does it look like? So what does it look like? What does it look like? Look around you. See what I'm doing. So then we see what the Father's doing. We, we accept his love. We see what he's doing. We start doing what he's doing. And then he shows us what we're called to do. You know, T.D. Jakes, I, I've only listened to him a couple times, but one, when I was in Texas, one time I uh, heard him speak, he said, if you want to be a visionary, find a visionary and help him accomplish the vision, and then God will make you a visionary. And I go, hmm, interesting. If I want to be a child of, I wonder if I can apply that, hmm. If I want to be a child of God, all I have to do is find out what, Submit, right, first of all, obviously. Submit, find out what God's doing, see what God's doing, and do what God's doing. And then along the way, and he shows him all things. And he himself is doing, and the Father will show him greater works than these. You want to be shown greater works? Accept the Father's love. Do what you see the Father doing. He's going to show you greater works. He's going to show you what you're called to do and why you're sitting here this morning and why you're called to Valley Community Church, why you're called to Roanoke Rapids, why you're called to this region, why you have somebody in your life. God's going to show you every circumstance, everything has a purpose to glorify his name. And you're going you're gonna to reach this pivot point. That's what I call it, pivot point. The point in your life where you turn and make it your passion to walk with the Father. Jesus came back so you could have that. He's, this whole time he's been going, Father, the Father. How are we going to do it? Dogged, we t- I talked about that last time. Dogged determination. No going back. I am going to walk with the Father. Everybody say that. I am going to walk with the Father. It's got to come from here. It's got to be a passion. It's got to be something that, that God breathes on and it comes alive. But it's a determination in your mind, just like Karen. I'm going to accept this truth. And what did God do? He revealed himself. Jesus actually did, because no one comes to the Father except if Jesus reveals it. Jesus revealed, and her mind opened up to the Father. Got to accept it. Know that the Father loves you. Do what the Father, what you see the Father doing, and then do what the Father shows you. Last step. 
my favorite step because this is where I'm at. Reach back and bring somebody with you. Bring somebody with you. Introduce them to the Father. Love on them. Show them. Help them become keenly aware of his voice. You can do that. You can be that person that brings somebody else into relationship with Jesus Christ at first, but the whole time you're going, the Father, the Father, introduce you to the Father. Because that's the relationship Jesus came to restore. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you. Oh, man, we are so aware of your voice. What you're speaking to us this morning, Lord, I pray right now, Father, that you pour out your spirit on us. Cause our hearts to ignite. Cause our hearts to burst with passion for you. Cause our eyes to turn and never let our gaze be taken away. We thank you, Father, for this word. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Go ahead and stand on your feet. My prayer teams, you can come. If you want a relationship with the Father, free gift. Jesus made the way. Jesus made the way. All you got to do is believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. What? That doesn't make sense. Of course not. Not to the wise. Not to the intelligent. But to infants? makes perfect sense. Sacrificial. Substitutionary. Let me exchange. Let me exchange. Once you exchange that burden, you are no longer bound by the law, but you are bound by grace. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, and you don't know the Father, as your personal Savior and your personal friend, raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you go do something, go into a different room. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, you, Father, you are amazing. I, I, one of my points was, notice the language. I think we need to change our language. I always thought it was weird, and people were kind of weird when they were like, the Father. Oh, me and the Father had time this morning. I thought that was kind of strange. But I'm getting a new appreciation of it. Let me do nothing but that which I see the Father doing and what he shows me. If you need prayer this morning, make sure that you come and see Mr. Lee, Mrs. Lee. They're down here. They want to pray with you. 
healing, restoration, broken relationship. You want to unpack a little bit this morning. You want to take some of that, more of that junk out of your life. That's what this altar's for. That's what these prayer partners are for. Come. Experience the freedom that comes with discipleship, of pursuing Him, never looking back. We thank you, Father. We ask that you give us divine opportunity to reach back and bring somebody along with us. It's a wild ride, but it's fun. And it's fulfilling. I think that's a sermon, fun and fulfilling. Bless us as we go. Give us opportunity to share our faith with somebody and see somebody come to Christ this week. I pray that over every individual. Divine appointment, divine opportunity. Give them the words to speak, the opportunity to speak it. Bring it all together and give them a receptive heart to hear it, God. Use them as your hands and feet this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.